This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Bowel and Mesenteric Injury High-Risk Mechanisms and CT Findings by Dr. George Taylor. My name is George Taylor, and I'm a pediatric radiologist at Boston Children's Hospital. Today we're going to be talking about the CT diagnosis of bowel and mesenteric injury in children with specific focus on high-risk mechanisms of injury and high-risk CT findings. Bowel and mesenteric injuries occur in between 1 and 3% of all injured children in comparison to a much higher frequency in adults. It is associated with a high morbidity and mortality rate, and therefore early and accurate identification is absolutely key. Our main challenge is to determine which bowel injury requires surgical intervention and which can be observed. So this talk will talk about high-risk mechanisms of injury, high-risk CT findings, and then a little bit about information, imaging information, and outcomes or medical decision-making. One of the highest-risk mechanisms of injury that we see in pediatrics is the lapel decimosis. It's seen as a linear often oblique bruise or hematoma along the anterior abdominal wall where the seat belt acutely compressed the anterior abdominal wall. Although most modern cars are equipped with a three-point restraint system, often shorter adults or children will place the shoulder harness underneath their arm, effectively making it a two-point restraint system. As a result of that and the tensioning mechanisms that are, are designed for heavier adults, the child, once, is, once a car hits or stops suddenly, can submarine and be, go underneath the lap belt and cause acute compression of the abdomen and uh, spine. So the submarine phenomenon is depicted here where rather than the body being attached to the seat but at the level of the pelvic bone and chest as the child slides under the seat belt, the seat belt uh, rides up and acutely compresses the abdomen. One of the common associated injuries is the a acute hyperflexion of the lower thoracic and upper lumbar spine often associated with ligamentous tears and a horizontal fracture of the vertebral bodies as shown here. One of the more subtle findings is an ecchymosis or hematoma of the midline of the, the back shown in this slide with a yellow arrow. Normally, there is a triangle of fat between the two erector spiny muscles. This 
triangle is filled in by a hematoma as a result of the tearing and um, injury to the posterior ligaments. One can often see also the anterior abdominal wall bruise or hematoma as the result of the lapeldecumosis. So why is this important other than uh, the spine injury, which is very, very important to know? The lapeldecumosis is a very high-risk mechanism of injury for underlying serious bowel injury. In a study of C uh, 61 patients, the um, there 64% of the children with lapeldecumosis had an injury. The injuries were to the bowel and bladder and lumbar spine. And a, another more recent study showed that the presence of a lumbar fracture was a very strong predictor of intestinal perforation. And we will talk about the presence of free peritoneal fluid as well, which is also a very important but nonspecific finding. The other high-risk mechanism of injury we see is the handlebar injury. And this occurs in about a quarter of all bicycle injuries, more common in young boys at the average age of 10. And this is not a high-velocity bicycle injury. This is an injury that occurs at lower velocities when the boys were trying to make rapid changes in velocity or direction and they hit themselves on the handlebar, on the stem or the crossbar. Here we have a young girl whose handlebars twisted and that round circular hematoma or bruise that she has it was caused by the aluminum handlebar that was no longer covered by the rubber handles. These are associated with very high risk of underlying injury. So the high specificity findings associated with um, bowel and mesenteric injury that require surgical intervention are listed here. They are extraluminal gas, the extravasation of oral contrast, bowel discontinuity, an abrupt vascular termination, vascular beating, and mesenteric intravenous contrast ex extravasation. The problem with these high specificity findings is that they're very uncommon and even more uncommon in children. So if you see them, they are very bad news but don't expect to see them in all children with significant bowel injury. Let's start with the presence of extraluminal gas. It's seen in between 20 and 40% of children with significant bowel injury with a low sensitivity but a fairly high specificity. And the odds likelihood ratio of having a significant bowel injury in the presence of extraluminal gas is high. It's four times that of children who don't have that finding. When looking for extraluminal gas, the most common location for the gas is along the anterior abdomen in the area of where there's least dependence, but it can also be seen in the porta hepatis, along the mesentery, and in the retroperitoneum, especially when we have duodenal injuries. There are some false positive causes that we have to be aware of. The most common is an associated pneumothorax, 
or the presence of a prior peritoneal lavage that allows uh, air into the peritoneal cavity. And finally, female genital trauma may cause uh, intra uh, insertion of gas into the peritoneal cavity. Here we have two patients, one with a handlebar injury and the other with a seatbelt injury. Both have a tiny collection of gas along the anterior abdominal wall. The child with the handlebar injury, this finding was the only finding on the entire CT scan, and yet at surgery, we had a complete transection of the jejunum. The other child with a tiny bit bubble of gas anterior to the liver also had a small bowel perforation. So the presence of gas is a very important finding um, associated with bowel injury. The amount of gas is not necessarily the case as we just saw. Here's a child with a large amount of pneumoperitoneum who was elbowed in the epigastrium doing, during a very contentious basketball game. And we can see extensive uh, pneumoperitoneum surrounding all of the, the visceral structures as a result of a small gastric perforation. And we could see a small amount of localized uh, bubbles of gas along the lesser curvature of the stomach at the site of perforation. Here's an example of a false positive pneumoperitoneum. We see a collection, curvilinear collection of gas along the anterior right abdominal wall as a result of a pneumothorax. The other finding that can be seen, which is a high specificity finding, is the presence of enteric contrast extravasation. Now, we don't normally use enteric contrast for the acute evaluation of traumatized patients. However, this child had been to another hospital and the diagnosis of bowel injury was not made. And because he had continued abdominal pain, a standard CT scan of the abdomen using oral contrast was performed. And here you can see extravasation of contrast material around the, the liver as a result of a small bowel injury. The frequency of this finding is far less than 1% in children. And the primary reason for it is that we don't commonly use oral contrast. It is seen in about 8% of adults. Again, a very low sensitivity because it's an uncommon finding, but a very high specificity. False positives can occur when you have bladder rupture or a slow vascular leak, both of which cause the extravasation of contrast-containing fluid that may resemble enteric contrast extravasation. The next finding, which has a very high specificity for significant bowel injury, is that of vascular obstruction. Here we have a 13-year-old female who was involved in a motor vehicle accident as a passenger, had a splenic injury and persistent abdominal pain for several days. On this coronal reconstruction, we see a sharp cutoff of the superior mesenteric artery that contains a clot within. This child um, had extensive uh, mesenteric ischemia and um, did not do well. 
This finding is again seen very infrequently in children, in less than 1% of all cases, and is seen in about 45% in adults. The sensitivity is higher than the other signs that we've seen, and the specificity is quite high, with a very high odds-likelihood ratio of more than six. This next category of findings on CT are nonspecific findings, but can be very important both in the context of the clinical situation and in association with other findings to make the diagnosis of surgically significant bowel injury. And these are the presence of bowel wall thickening, mesenteric hematoma, mesenteric fluid or stranding, and very important, unexplained peritoneal fluid. And we'll talk a lot more about that uh, in the coming few slides. Then there's also the presence of abnormal bowel enhancement. Bowel wall thickening is seen in between 40 and 44% of all patients with bowel injury. And it can be caused as a result of a contusion or hematoma, but can also be caused by perforation and ischemia. False positive causes that we've seen in, have included poor bowel distension as well as pre-existing conditions in adults, although this is quite rare in children. So if you see focal bowel wall thickening in a child, this has a much higher significance than in adults. Here are two children who have focal bowel wall thickening. The child on the left side was run over by a golf cart and we see focal thickening of a single loop of fluid-containing bowel. On another slice, we see, again, another focal loop of bowel wall thickening. But this is a very important case in which to discuss uh, search satisfaction. We are often drawn by the first finding that we see, and we may not find a second finding that is of the same or higher clinical significance. If you look at the distal aorta, we can see that the contour of the aorta is irregular and there is thickening of the, uh, the perivascular tissues. At surgery, there was a bowel perforation. There was also a significant uh, laceration of the aorta and the aorta was held together simply by intima. This Next child also has mesenteric thickening, focal bowel wall thickening, as well as the characteristic seat belt ecchymosis. Focal mesenteric fluid can also be a finding of focal bowel wall thickening. And here we see a child who was involved in a motor vehicle accident and had a seat belt ecchymosis. Although we see free peritoneal fluid in the cul-de-sac of the pelvis, we also see localized fluid along the right colon. This was a result of a degloving uh, injury to the cecum where the, the serosa was stripped off of the cecum by the overlying seatbelt. Focal mesenteric fluid can also be a uh, significant finding. This was an obese child that came in after multiple trauma including a femoral fracture that required traction. And on initial CT scan, we noticed that this child had focal bowel wall thickening surrounding this loop of bowel and a little bit of 
focal mesenteric fluid. The child did well with very nonspecific findings on abdominal physical exam until four or five days later when she decompensated and had a peritoneal crisis. A repeat CT scan at that time shows liquefactive necrosis of a loop of bowel as the result of a mesenteric tear and ischemic bowel. The bowel was resected and the child eventually did well. The sensitivity uh, and specificity of these findings, the sensitivity is high, but its specificity is not as good. And again, uh, like the previous signs, this finding is much less common in children than it is in adults. Now, we're going to spend a few minutes on the concept of unexplained peritoneal fluid. And this is a, a, a condition in which the child has undergone a high-risk mechanism of injury in which the solid viscera are normal. There are no lacerations or uh, contusions at all, but the child has more than a small amount of free peritoneal fluid. Here we see this adolescent girl who had an, a seat belt ecchymosis, and we can see a large amount of peritoneal fluid extending from and filling the entire cul-de-sac and extending all the way up to the liver. No other abnormalities were found. This child had a jejunal tear. So the presence of peritoneal fluid as an isolated finding in blunt abdominal trauma has been looked at uh, in six studies from the mid-90s to this decade. There are two adult studies and four pediatric studies with over 5,000 patients being uh, evaluated. And the risk of important bowel injury is not zero, but quite small when there's a small or minimal amount of fluid present. But if you have moderate or greater amounts of fluid, the risk of significant bowel injury goes between 20 and 80%. The test characteristics of this uh, finding are the frequency is high, the sensitivity is quite high, although the specificity is low. Very important finding here is that if you have absolutely no peritoneal fluid, the likelihood of having a significant bowel injury is close to zero. And then sometimes we have a, multiple, a multiplicity of findings on CT that point to the presence of bowel injury. This was a nine-year-old belted passenger who was involved in a motor vehicle crash and had a, an extensive seatbelt ecchymosis. And we can see the anterior abdominal wall hematoma. We can also see multiple thick-walled uh, loops of bowel, as well as a large amount of free peritoneal fluid in the absence of solid organ injury. And then finally, we see a chance fracture. This child had a uh, jejunal injury as well. On occasion, we'll see the only finding that we will see present on CT is the presence of abnormal enhancement of multiple loops of bowel as the result of hyperemia and contusion. This child had a lapel ecchymosis, as seen in the clinical picture, and several contiguous loops of bowel that were hyperemic. This child also had a jejunal tear. Duodenal perforations can be 
much more difficult and are, are, diff are a different type of injury with different manifestations. They are often seen with associated pancreatic injury and um, will manifest themselves by dilatation of the proximal duodenum, often focal nodular thickening as shown here in the coronal images, and um, dilatation and thickening of the, the uh, surrounding structures. In patients with retroperitoneal duodenal injury, the extravasation of gas may only be seen in the retroperitoneum, although it can be seen there and intraperitoneal as well. And as shown in this child, uh, the frequency of associated pancreatic injury is high. And here we see a laceration of the pancreas directly over the vertebral body. So here is a summary of the, the frequency of findings that uh, were seen in a large ongoing database um, over several years. In 2,000 consecutive children who underwent CT scanning after blunt abdominal trauma, the presence of unexplained peritoneal fluid was the most frequent finding, followed by pneumoperitoneum, bowel wall thickening, and localized hematoma. So how accurate is CT in the diagnosis of bowel injury? Now there are several studies showing that in the era of multi-detector CT, CT has the sensitivity of between 80 and 95 percent and a specificity that has a much broader range going from less than 50 percent up to 84 percent. The CT findings that have the highest utility are the presence of unexplained peritoneal fluid with a very high odds likelihood ratio for underlying bowel injury, obviously the presence of pneumoperitoneum and focal bowel wall thickening. But again, I wanted to emphasize that if you have no free peritoneal fluid, the likelihood of having a significant bowel injury is close to zero. Now, so far we've been talking about accuracy and the utility of CT in blunt abdominal trauma. What happens in CT for penetrating bowel injury? This is a child who was doing what all of our mothers told us not to do, which is to run with a sharp object in our hands. He had just sharpened his pencil and was running down the stairs when he tripped and fell down the stairs and complained of acute belly pain and was missing his pencil and um, had a small uh, bleeding point in his left lower quadrant. When he was taken to the emergency room, they saw on inspection a, uh, a little rubber eraser protruding out from his, uh, his abdomen. So they did a CT scan to see where this pencil was. And we can see that it enters the peritoneal cavity and impales itself into the left psoas muscle. So unlike in, unlike CT in the presence of blood abdominal trauma, the utility of CT for identifying those children who need to go to surgery and separating them from those who don't is limited. If you don't have peritoneal gas, free peritoneal air, it doesn't mean anything. If you do, it could have been introduced by the, the pencil or, or object. 
and it is very difficult to tell whether the, the bowel has been perforated. So all of these children require uh, laparoscopic or laparotomy evaluation. In this specific child, uh, at surgery, the pencil had grazed the colon but had completely missed all vital structures. So in summary, the high-risk CT appearances for underlying significant bowel injury are the presence of free, peritone free peritoneal air. But again, regardless of size, a small amount of air can have a significant con consequence and the presence of unexplained peritoneal fluid. An abrupt vascular termination is very high risk and we should look for it, unfortunately or fortunately, it is a very uh, infrequent finding in children. And the best finding to exclude bowel injury is the absence of uh, free peritoneal fluid. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.